May the grace of Christ our Savior and the Father's boundless love with the Holy Spirit's favor rest upon us from above. Amen. Please join your hearts and thoughts in prayer. Merciful Father, since you have given your only Son as the sacrifice for our sin, also give us grace to receive with thanksgiving the fruits of his redeeming work and daily follow in his way so that the marks of a great faith will show in our lives. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. There are a lot of places in Scripture that talk about the universality of faith. The universality of the gospel given in the world so that all people might come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And that's all over the Old Testament and the New as well. Listen to some of these examples. In Psalm 67, the psalmist speaks about all nations coming. That's about the same thought that's in the Great Commission in the end of Matthew's Gospel. Go to all nations, baptizing and teaching. Then in Isaiah chapter 56, it's talking about the foreigners coming in. And in Romans 11, St. Paul does a lot of talking about the Gentiles and the Jews both together occupying the kingdom of God. And Paul himself was so, so concerned about the Jews that they should believe that he said in one place he would be willing to give up his own faith if just one Jew would believe. That's how committed St. Paul was to the message of the gospel. I guess that's what makes today's gospel reading about the Syrophoenician, or we could call her the Canaanite woman, so interesting. She was regarded as an outsider, someone who didn't really belong there. But she demonstrated a great faith. While, as Martin Luther says, Christ is pictured as being very harsh with her. But she is for us a wonderful example of what it looks like to have the marks of a great faith. And that's what I want to talk about this morning on the basis of this gospel reading. There's an interesting quote from a, from a preacher from many years ago by the name of Charles Spurgeon that might fit Our Lady in the text. He said, Faith is believing that Christ is what he is said to be and that he will do what he has promised to do and then to expect this of him. That certainly demonstrates what this lady in the text is all about. She comes to Jesus in the text. Uh, remember some of those words that were spoken there? A Canaanite woman? She said, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. The daughter wasn't even with her. But this mother took on that condition of her daughter as though it were her own. And she presented it to the Lord Jesus Christ, expecting him to be able to do something about it. And our, our initial reaction about Jesus' reaction is kind of surprising, isn't it? Why is he treating her so badly? Actually, it was a test of her faith. 
a test of her faith because even in that first address that she made to him, O Lord, Son of David, have mercy on me. She knew about the coming Messiah. She knew the Old Testament and what it spoke about in terms of what great gift God was going to give to the whole world through His beloved Son, the promised Messiah. So the marks of a great faith were certainly demonstrated by her. She said, Lord, have mercy on me. Lord, help me. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. So the first point I'd like to address is that faith knows where to go in times of need. We sang about that in the hymn. All of the needs that we have. And here we're going to deal first of all with the Canaanite woman's need. Her daughter was suffering terribly from demon possession, which was probably one of the worst conditions that could have been known about at that time, or any time for that matter. So she brought that need to Jesus' attention. She pleaded to the Lord, pleaded to Him three times. Three times she pleaded, Lord, have mercy. Lord, help me. Lord, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And that was quite an exchange between Jesus and her. He said, first of all, well, I have come only uh, for the lost people of Israel. Then she got resistance, not only from Jesus, apparently, but also from his disciples. They said, send her away. She keeps bugging us. Send her away. She doesn't belong here. But then she came and fell down and knelt before Jesus and said, Lord, help me. He replied, it is not right that the children's bread should be taken and tossed to the dogs. You know, that's a very interesting uh, observation because in the uh, in that day, the, the Jews had no respect at all for the Canaanites. The dogs was a term that the Jews hatefully used against the Gentiles, whom they considered unclean and lower than themselves. So this lady knew about that term, and she knew what it meant as well. But she simply acknowledged it and said, Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. You know what that tells us? That just a little bit of God's Word is oftentimes enough to sustain us, to take us through some of those trying, difficult times. And we've all had them. We all have. I can think of lots of them in my long life. And one of the things that I always remember so well is when I decided uh, that I was going to go to the seminary, I had had a really nice job with a major meatpacking company, Hormel. And I was 35 years old, had a wife and three kids, a father and a father-in-law, and the reaction of those two fathers was amazing. We called... Uh, from wherever we were living at that time and I told my mother mom you better sit down I've got some news for you and I announced to her that I was going to quit the job and go to the seminary and I could hear my dad in the background say is that kid all right and my my father-in-law who was a little bit more practical yet 
said, and who's going to pay for this thing? <laughs> and we said, well, the Lord will provide. And he kind of humphed and went back to his chair reading his newspaper and doing his crossword puzzle. But I can tell you that our trust in the Lord was strong. And it led us through four years until graduation. Got me through a vicarage that was not all that pleasant. And yet, I've looked back over the years, and I've had so, so many blessings. And I'm sure that all of you can, too. So the, the question for us, then, is, do our needs take us to Him? When there's difficulty, when there's trouble, when there's health issues, when there's financial problems, when there's job losses, when there's all of those things that can happen, do those concerns and troubles and needs take us to Him? And do they cause us to make that good confession just like our lady in the text. Lord, help me. Lord, have mercy on me. Because that's what's important. That we do not lose our hope and our trust in a great and gracious and merciful God. But then let's talk a little bit more about the lady in, in terms of how faith persists in spite of barriers. And, and she had a few. I mean, she had the problem of race. She was the wrong nationality. The problem of distance because her daughter was somewhere different than where she was appealing to Jesus. There was this terrible uh, condition of her daughter. A disease or demon possession is a better description. And even the disciples of Jesus became a barrier to her. Send her away. She's just bugging us, Lord. You don't need that. Send her away. But in spite of all those barriers, <clears throat> this woman persisted. She was meeting the test because she was coming to the Lord confident that He could do something for her. Confident that, she, that He could deal with her issue with her daughter because she had faith and trust in Him as God and Lord. Have mercy on me, she said. Help me, Lord. Help me. And finally, Jesus in our text does address that whole issue. After she said, even the crumbs that fall from their master's table are good enough for me. And that kind of was a picture of what was going on. A lot of these homes had these little puppies or little dogs running around. And, and if you think about it, what was being eaten at the table was the same thing that was being eaten below the table because the crumbs would fall and the dogs would be satisfied. Something to say about our being satisfied with the Word of God that can also direct us to that great, wonderful help. And the most wonderful thing in all of God's Word is the help that He gave to us and to all sinners he saw our condition. He saw the fallen condition of the world. And he was determined already to send a Savior, a Messiah. And he did that. He sent Jesus Christ into our human flesh to take on all of our burdens, to bear those all the way to the cross, and to die there, and then to rise again as a symbol of the victory of God over all of our sinfulness. I mean, what a great God. What an awesome God we have that would do that for us. How could we not do as this woman and praise Him 
for all that he had done. And then the final word of the text says, Then Jesus answered, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. That happened more than once, not to this particular daughter and mother, but to others too. The uh, important official that came to Jesus and said, My son is dying. Can't you help him? And finally, Jesus also responded to that, although there was a lot of doubt in the area where that man was. And even one place in Scripture tells us that he was not able to do very much healing in that village because of the lack of faith. And without faith, Scripture tells us, it is impossible to please God. So, in a sense, we are also being tested in our faith, tested in the things that we go through. So the question for us is, can my faith be called great? Can your faith be called great? Well, I suggest to you that it can if you and I understand and believe that God's word was fulfilled on that cross and by a subsequent resurrection. Your faith and mine can be called great if all our needs take us to Him rather than, you know, trying to figure it all out on our own. And your faith and mine can be called great if by God's grace we persevere in faith no matter what. That's what this lady certainly demonstrated in our text. It is said that when the uh, famous Garibaldi led an infantry attack against the Austrians, he never looked about to see if his men were following. He was absolutely certain that at the moment when he reached the enemy columns, he would feel his men's breath hot on his back. May we, along with the Canaanite woman, Offer to the captain of our salvation the same utter loyalty, the same unquestioning obedience, the same persistent faith. An unknown author put it like this, Trying times are no time to quit trying. Thomas Carlyle said this, Permanence, perseverance, and persistence, in spite of all obstacles, discouragements, and impossibilities, it is this that in all things distinguishes the strong soul from the weak. And I like the way Martin Luther summed it all up. He said, God, our Father, has made all things depend on faith, so that whoever has faith will have everything. And whoever does not have faith will have nothing. Then there's that wonderful story about St. Augustine. You've probably heard it before. One of the most influential Christians who ever lived was a philosopher whom we know as St. Augustine's. If you know St. Augustine's story, then you, then you also know that for many years he ran away from the truth, from the faith. 
following after a heretical group like the Manichaeans <clears throat> who twisted the truth of the scripture. What you may not know is that it was his mother's love and faith that brought him to the truth. Augustine's mother, her name was Monica, was a fervent believer who prayed constantly for her son's salvation. She devoted her whole life in praying for Augustine's conversion. At one point, when Augustine was becoming devoted to the Manichaean philosophy, Monica begged a holy man to speak to Augustine and show him why their beliefs were not true. The holy man refused because Augustine was known to have a great intellect and would likely try to savage the holy man's arguments. The holy man assured Monica that he, too, had once been a Manichaean and that Augustine was too smart to deceive himself much longer. At this, Monica began to cry. The holy man sent her away, saying, Go, go, leave me alone. Live on as you are living. It is not possible that the son of such tears should be lost. The holy man was right. After many years and a fierce inner struggle, Augustine was touched by a revelation in Scripture and became a Christian. When Monica learned of her son's salvation, she remarked that she had nothing left to live for, for the greatest desire of her heart had been fulfilled. Nine days later, Monica died, and the son she had spent her life praying for went on to affect the whole world. Monica never quit asking. Live on as you are living, said the holy man. It is not possible that the son of such tears should be lost. You are concerned about someone you love? Keep on asking God for help. Don't let your tears quench the flame of your faith in God. It may seem like God is ignoring you, but I assure you that is not the case. Don't give up. Keep asking and keep on trusting. Keep trusting that the God who created this world loves each of us. We are God's own children by faith in Christ. God does hear our prayers even when it seems that all hope is gone. Come what may, God will not let us down even if the worst thing possible should befall us. Then there's one other story about a a man by the name of Tom Haggai. I guess he's a, he's a pastor that spoke at a, a mayor's breakfast in St. Louis at one time. And he told the story about a persistent faith on the part of, of uh, his two brothers. He and his two brothers badly wanted a model train. So they begged their dad. Their dad was a poorly paid preacher during the Depression. He tried to explain to the boys that they couldn't afford it, but they should pray about it. So they prayed. Nothing happened. When they came back to, to tell him, he said, pray harder. So the boys talked about what it meant to pray hard. The one comparison they knew was what their dad did when he worked hard. They listed the things 
they had observed. He rolls up his sleeves. He grunts a lot. He sweats. So one evening at family prayer time, they tried it. They rolled up their sleeves and with a lot of grunts, begged God to give them a model train. In a few days, a parishioner came to the parsonage to tell the preacher that he had sold a parcel of ground for more money than he had hoped for. And now he wanted to give a tithe of it to the church. Then he added, and here is an envelope for the boys. We know that you can't afford much for them, but take this and buy something they really want. The boys enjoyed the train for many years and never forgot to pray. Well, that's a lesson from Our Lady in the text, too. She prayed and she pleaded hard. And the Lord saw her faith and rewarded her. What a wonderful thing that is and a wonderful lesson for each of us that we can also continue persistent in our faith and in our prayers, bringing all of our needs to Him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And now would you please stand? And now the peace of God which surpasses all of our understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in faith in Christ Jesus, our Savior and Lord. Amen.